Hello, I'm Dave, and welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy Podcast. Today we bring you the second of three recordings from our Tragic Love live event that took place at the Dogstar in Brixton on the 13th of February. Uh, what we do at Stand Up Tragedy is we stand up and we do tragedy. Our nights are um, themed now, monthly themes, and tonight's theme is Tragic Love. So we're going to have a variety of different kinds of performers getting up on stage and uh, doing something along the lines of Tragic Love. So here's Act Two of Tragic Love. Welcome back to Act Two of Stand Up Tragedy. Hey, make some noise, that's right. Uh, so, uh, right, I'm going to do a song now. Um, it's about kind of... So when I was thinking about Tragic Love, I was like, oh, everything's going to be about romantic love. And that's an important kind of love. But there's other kinds of love that are also tragic. Uh, so this is a, a, a song about kind of... Is that coming through, Hav? Is that coming through, audience? Yes? Good, right. Uh, so this is kind of a song about the tragedy of kind of falling in love with things, I guess. Maybe I should have got a new key cut Gone back to that place late at night Turned off the alarm, I knew it's cold Switched on all the fluorescent lights And scratched my name into the walls Pissed on the carpets and fucked up the halls Smashed the computer screen, broke all the chairs, made something ugly there. Because little bits of metal are just metal, they don't mean anything. A flower is just a collection of petals, not a symbol of the spring. The flowers grow them any time of the year We manufacture these stupid bits of metal That help us live in fear Having no roots Having no ties Having no home Saying goodbye Cut 
dress Pretend That will make you free Get rid Of those keys Get rid of All those little bits of metal Are just metal They don't So I wrote that song about sort of leaving a job a while back. I'm going to pl- unplug this. Is that going to destroy people's ears? Hey, that's what I have to do, right? Ask you before, right? Cool. Uh, yeah, I wrote, I wrote that song when I sort of like left the job to come to London and it was like the best job I'd ever worked and like I loved the people and it was like, now I'm leaving that good thing to this, go to this crazy big place that's probably going to destroy me. Uh, so that's why I was feeling like that. Uh, so, yeah. What's that? London loves, me. London loves me. Oh, that's nice. Not very tragic, though. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I should say as well, our next night, if you are intending to come, which you should, uh, is Tragic Heroes. It's going to be on the 21st of March at the Hackney Attic. Um, and also we've got, and we'll be producing another fanzine for that. So anybody who wants to write uh, something or draw something, send us something at upstand, uh, upstandingtragedy at gmail.com. That's our email address. So send your contributions uh, there and we would love to uh, put you in our, our fanzine. Although if you're a writer, write short. Think short because it's a tiny little thing. So we need short. Uh, so uh, our next performer well it's, it's, it's going to do an extract uh, from a show it is the show I saw right? yeah so he's going to do a sh- an extract from the show that I s- saw in Edinburgh which is when he first like truly amazed me as a as a as a performer uh, and I couldn't stop r- r- raving about this show so I mean I'm very excited to have it on the bill it might not be as tragic in some ways as some of the other pieces but that's probably for the best because some of them were very tragic uh, so uh, put your hands together. Oh, the last time I had him here, I should say as well, I made him ruin Christmas. 
so basically he's had his tragedy on this stage already to an extreme degree because he loves Christmas. I don't love Christmas, so I don't mind ruining it for people, but he loves Christmas. So feel sympathy for him and put your hands together for Superbug! My penis has a hat. <laughs> I should start every set like that, it's great. I'm gonna move over here so it's not distracting. <laughs> Hello, my name is Superbart. How are we good? We're, we're whooping good, are we? Yes! Yeah, that's what I like to hear. So, uh, Dave said that I might do something nice today, and I changed my mind. I'm going to do something really tragic. I'm going to tell a horribly tragic love story. Are we ready for that? Yeah, yeah we are. All right. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, it will be a, an interactive story. I will be asking you questions throughout. So, we're going to start off with an easy one, right? Um, yeah. So, the first thing we should know, by the way, is what I've done. Is, is failed to sort out my music properly because I did this years ago, ages ago, and I was just like, quickly, let's grab all the shit together. So this is all like tense, lovely love music, whereas we should still be in funkiness. Uh, so just imagine funkiness. Okay, uh, back, back to the point because I've definitely drifted somewhat. Um, it's going to be an interactive story, uh, so I need your help. So first off, it's going to be a love story. So uh, who is in love? Like, hands up if you're in love, if, you're, if you've got a lovely partner who's pretty cool. Yeah, all right, that's good. <laughs> I'm slightly jealous, but it's okay. Did, did someone, did someone, is there, is there trouble there between you two? That would look like it was one of you put your hand up and then the other one didn't. Or was he not quick enough? I've seen that before. I asked people who went in love and the, the guy goes, and the girl's like, and I broke them up in one evening. It was lovely. Um, okay, hands up, happy, happy single people. Single people in the house. Yeah, all right. We're gonna do, go keep them up, keep them up, people, keep them up. Uh, da, da, da. I'm looking, I'm gonna go, uh, yes, fine. that is completely unrelated to the rest of the show. <laughs> open it, open it, have a little, have a little read, otherwise it's gonna make the other show, the rest of the show quite quick, okay? Cool, cool. So, uh, I am in love, uh, I'm, actually, I'm actually engaged. Uh, yeah, so, uh, she's not here, so obviously she doesn't love me that much. Uh, she is, she's off doing other things, she's gallivanting. She might be with another man. Okay, uh, how are we, are we done? Are we good with the reading? Uh, you're gonna read whilst it's going. Okay, right. Wait, wait. This is what I was talking about, how technical hitches. Right, okay. So imagine, funky music, still going. Right, good, good, good. Uh, so my story isn't any ordinary love story. Uh, this is about the wood move mountains love, the groovy love, the sort of love that makes you think about rolling under a blanket with them and staying there forever. And it's dangerous, isn't it, to give yourself to that kind of love, to let go. 
But our couple, they're not there yet. They haven't even met. They just sat there, two people waiting, two completely random people <laughs> in this very They stand up. Actually, you sir, if you want to just move over here, it's going to make things a lot easier. The audience, yeah, you're going to come and sit next to the stand next to this lady here. Wonderful, good. Then it, then it, yeah, that's good. It just makes the balance better. It's good. Just imagine that to them. They stand up. Neither of them know why. Their legs feel compelled to move the narrative drive, insisting that their limbs put them up to a higher point than the rest of them. Maybe. They wanted to go to the bar. Maybe they needed a break for a pee. Who knows? But they stood up in the same room, in the same space, and they are here. I mean, they should have been paying attention to Superbard's brilliant and glorious show. No? Fine, great, fine. I mean, we're only two minutes in. No Their gaze was wandering around the crowd, and now they have touched. There is a loud, oppressive silence during which they stop frozen to the spot. Neither of them was expecting this. She is a girl. A girl in a pub. And she is smiling. <laughs> this fills all three of his criteria for women. Not, not that he's desperate or a loser or smells or anything, but these are his initial filters. And to be honest, for the pub thing, he's not that fussy. No. She is a girl and she clearly likes him because she's not looking away. Why? Why is she not looking away? He is a boy. Not necessarily the boy she was expecting. If she was to describe her ideal lover, he would not be it. But he is a boy. And he's kind of cute, even if he does look a little too scruffy in that hood. I mean, this is a classy pub for Dogstar. He's a boy and he clearly likes her because he's not looking away. Why is he not looking away? Of course, they both suspect the other is staring straight into their eyes, not because of any shared sense of fate, but because of the envelope each one holds in their hands. The one they keep looking at surreptitiously to check where they are in time. The girl holds her script up and waves it at the boy. Just, just wave, just wave. Very good. The boy grins and waves his script back. She says... He says, somewhat out of the blue. <laughs> a brief, awful stomach jolt tells him he's gone too far, and he immediately retreats into his shell. Why, why did he say that? She thinks it's because of the words in his hand, and she smiles to let him know it's okay. <laughs> it's just a script. Or is it? <laughs> For now, she learns that his script actually says, ad lib a compliment. And so those kind words about buttoning up a cardigan <laughs> are not my nails. And the blush rises through her like a bruise. His character has leaped from comedy stooge to three-dimensional boy with a ridiculous ad <laughs> She looks down her screen. For her, there is no ad lib a compliment because I can only do that trick once. She feels trapped. This is now much more than a great gimmick by a storyteller in a stupid jacket. He is a real boy, 
a real person, not an actor or a plant, but a real person who some would say foolishly put up his hand. Will she ever be able to thank him properly? Match his kind words with her own rather than those read from a page? If this were her story, her perfect world, he'd walk over to her, take her hand and whisper a sentence of No, 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 don't, don't do it. <laughs> Shut out. Would whisper a sentence of beautiful words in her ear. They flee this crowd into a winter's evening, huddle in a pub with a fire rather than a dodgy base in the basement, and exchange witty banter and secrets. It would be the relationship as written by Richard Curtis. They'd be punting and snow. It'd pretty much be all weather related. They'd be amazing together until the argument in Act 3 when she'd walk in on him hugging an ex-girlfriend or, or she'll find out that he got me to set the whole thing up. He really hasn't. Or she'll discover that actually he doesn't really like cardigans at all. <laughs> There'd be tears and heartbreak, but don't worry, they'd be back together by the end of the film in a scene with soaring strings. The final shot, their wedding, where a whole load of the supporting cast characters hook up. And as the credits roll, they'd be babies. <laughs> Lots of babies. <laughs> Some of those babies will feature in the sequel, but it won't be as good a film. But this isn't her story. This is my script. But maybe I'll play nice. Maybe it's her charming smile. Maybe it's his face. <laughs> they're looking into each other's eyes and they're not looking away. When she came here tonight, this was not what she was expecting, obviously. She hadn't expected goosebumps on her skin. In her head, she's already thinking of drinking filter coffee on a balcony. She's thinking of holidays in Barcelona and Sunday mornings with a paper. When, when he came to here tonight, this was not what he was expecting. He's just come out of a short to medium, long-term relationship, and his head is a mess. He didn't come here to meet a girl, and certainly not a girl like her. He is a boy. He's looked her up and down, so he's thinking about sex. <laughs> of lips and tongues and steamy breaths. He wishes this had happened somewhere more private, without a crowd of hundreds! Like <laughs> dozens watching. Maybe a broken down lip, so that he can push her up against the wall. Not in a rapey way, but in a sexy way. Like something out of Desperate Housewives, which he'll never tell her he watches. But, what if this is not his script, but mine? What if this is not as a love, but unrequited? All the signs so far, vis-a-vis -vis a storyteller narrating in her head, tells him that she likes him too, but he's a man, not a psycho. How does he know what she's really thinking? And then he looks again at a beautiful skin, and he's stormed. In, in the original show, that was so much more smooth. How will he ever be good enough? How will he ever stand up to these ideals? He's not a perfect man, not for her, not for anyone. All this talk of Barcelona, he doesn't even speak Spanish. He wants to speak Spanish, sure, but they had the choice of French or German at school. Spanish wasn't even on the table. Or La Mesa. Smiles at him with her eyes. She's not expecting her perfect world. She's not planning for Richard Curtis cliches. They're older now and she wants real. 
She wants the bits that we cut to make the movie work, the specifics that make you tick. She looks pleading over to me, begging for me to allow her to speak, but it's not in the script. It's very good. This is not how people get together. He met his last seven, eight, two, two girlfriends all in the same way. They met through a couple of friends, through friends of friends. They got drunk and snogged in a pub club. It's a formula, it works. Friends, bad friends, flirting, dating, and then tongue friends. The idea of getting with him just for a show, for a script, was ridiculous. What's he gonna do, ask her for a date? And he looks at her, and she looks at him. And it's too much. He sits down. love story have a happy end. This is stand-up tragedy. I warned you at the start. They are not destined to be a couple. There's no such thing. He looks at her and feels like a dick. I'm sorry. I can't do this. The boy in front of her has sat down and she doesn't know what to do. She feels like a part of her has been deleted. Wants to sit down and join him, to hide her shame and ignore him, to run away and adore him, but instead her world has been shattered. She doesn't care that he can't speak Spanish. He can't write, he just... Obviously it wouldn't be preferable, but it's not important. Should she sit down too? Should she give up? Should she put her foot into the glass slipper? Should she call him down from a balcony? Should she do the I'm flying bit from Titanic? Now is the time to let go. That's not in the script, because tonight it is stand-up tragedy, you know? Really sorry to do this to you guys. That's me. I'm done. Um, thank you very much. Uh, I've been super bars. You, you can sit down now. Don't, don't, don't even think about it. Keep going. You can sit down now. You're oh, yes. No! <laughs> Well, that was totally unexpected. <laughs> no one saw that coming, did they? <laughs> I'm glad that I got the music to work, though, so that's good. That's all right. That's... Part of her doesn't know why. She wavers but holds resolute. It's not that she doesn't want to, it's that she can't. She can't give up on this. She doesn't even know if he feels the same, but... She stands. What are you going to do? That's you. Are you going to... You should have stayed standing. If you stay sitting now, it'll all stop. It'll all go away. For a night, you'll be a pariah, but the memory will fade and you won't have to stand for these people. You won't have to stand for these, this girl. Well? Take a guess. They look at each other and smile. Nervously, both aware that absolutely none of this is in their scripts, so they throw them away carefully so that I can use them next Valentine's Day. And although they know that this was a setup, a script, and they're embarrassed and shaky, they also know this could be their story. No one would have a how they met story like this, 
they're not friends of friends, they didn't flirt badly at a party. This is not internet dating. We met on a stage in a story created by us. It doesn't everyone want to start a romance with you? Well, romance? To feel special, like this has only ever happened and only will ever happen to us. Our story won't be able to be written down because it's bigger than that. As he stares at her, he looks and he sees Julia Roberts. She, Hugh Grant, the hearts start to skip beats in unison. Together, as one, they climb onto the stage. Well, you know, maybe just, yeah. And that is actually together, though. Good work. And although they know this was a set-up, a script, and they're embarrassed and shake, I've done that bit. Wait, sorry. <laughs> As they do, they realise the whole audience is looking at them, staring at them, loving their part in the new story, watching two beautiful people look, well, shifty and nervous. She is a girl. She looks great, and she's gone along with all this, so she's evidently some sort of hero. Is a boy, and even though he really should be dressing better for the dog star, he's the better man. They stand together on stage, heart pulsing, hormones flowing. Inside them, there's the sweat, the rising of chest, that leap that comes from conquering it all. My script is long gone, except I'm reading it, and it's not coming back. They say hello to each other. Awkwardly. And although thoughts and words have been forced into their heads, that doesn't stop the important tingle in the back of their minds. That little niggle beyond the strange embarrassment of their lives. I have not fallen in love at first sight. He thinks. She thinks. But maybe we'll have a chat after the show, and maybe our love will grow, and maybe, well, who knows? This feels not like the start of a story, but the start of something new. They're so close, they can see the whites of each other's eyes. They lean in and kiss. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was interesting for me because when I think I was the only person who thought it, the, the false stop was, a, was an actual stop. And I'd seen the show before, so I should have known that. Uh, but yeah, uh, in the original, the stakes were much higher for that, for that, for that, for that kiss. And so people, like, people were, if they didn't kiss, like if you kissed, you saved the world. That was the stakes in the first one. And I think when, when it's the world to save... I don't know. You might you might have found yourself. Do, I mean, it was impressive what I saw Superbard make audiences do. Really, to be honest. Uh, yes, um, and uh, yeah. I mean, I should say you can find more Superbardish type stuff at www.superbard.co.uk. 
Um, and I'm now going to introduce our next performer. So you can find her at Lucy Ayrton, which is a clue to her name. So put your hands together for Lucy Ayrton! Hello, everyone. Hello. How are you all feeling? How are you feeling about love? Okay, that was a vague question to ask a large audience. Um, so... Do you feel positive about love? If you feel positive about love, make a positive about love noise now. And if you feel negative about love, please make a negative about love noise now. Okay. If you're, if you're not really sure how you feel about love and you're not that invested in this whole, like, having an opinion about love thing, because that's like having an opinion about eating, like it's just the way that we further our species and stuff, um, make, make a rationalist noise. Is that what we're doing for a rationalist? <laughs> I'm going to take it. Um, okay, so... Tonight I am going to present for you Lucy's Love Spectrum. Woo! That's right. That does deserve a woo. It's not something I just made up to fit in with this night. It's a real thing. I am going to scientifically take you through the four stages of love. Does anyone know what the four stages of love are? No, because I just made them up. The stages are, stage one, despisal. <laughs> How do you feel about the concept of despisal? Oh, I hate it. <laughs> really? Do you or do you secretly enjoy it? <laughs> oh, no, you hate it. Maybe I do secretly enjoy it. Um, and then there is um, unrequited love that has faded. And then there is... <laughs> that's, that's right, it is a good concept. And then there is um, real love that has faded. And then there is real love. And those are, are the only stages of love that you are allowed to feel officially from now on. Um, so I am going to start at despisal. Um, all of these poems are dedicated to people in my life. This poem is dedicated to a woman who I work with who is not timely about filing her reports that I actually need to do the quarterly accounts. Um, and it is called <laughs> Nemesis. <laughs> when I make you cups of tea, you will not get your own tea bag. You will get my second-hand tea bag. <laughs> And your tea will contain almost no caffeine because I will have taken it. <laughs> Furthermore, I will intentionally overbrew your second-hand tea so that it is dark and unpleasantly tanniny. <laughs> Seeing you wince as you sip fizzes me with pleasure. My adequate tea tastes like the finest champagne. One day, you and your team will be debating whose turn it is to make the tea, and you'll say, oh, don't ask Lucy. She is so bad at making tea. <laughs> and the rest of their team will shake their heads at you. They will murmur their disagreement because they will know that I make adequate tea. <laughs> they will think less of you for your meanness. <laughs> I will dip behind a filing cabinet and snigger. <laughs> Up yours, nemesis! I will shout very loudly in my head. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, 
<laughs> you will be pleased to know I got the report in anyway, so. <laughs> Happy ending. Okay, um, next up, sad ending. This is about um, unrequited love that has faded. Did anyone go out with someone in for like a week in their first year and kind of continue to sleep with them for quite a long time, really longer than was sort of warranted and still feel sort of like warm about them now, but for a long time you spent an unnecessarily large amount of time thinking about them considering it was like only a week? Yeah. Good. Thank <laughs> fuck for that. Okay, brilliant. Um, this poem is, um, yeah, obviously dedicated to that person. Um, and it's called Bonfire Duke. I find a box of Lapsang Sushong ten years out of date and I think of you. Like always. Do you remember that kitchen? Remember walking in all rumpled from sleeping and I was making bacon on the Arga and you gave me the biggest smile and I'd never even seen an Arga apart from on telly but remember I'm resourceful and we were thirsty for tea but all I could find was this box of old leaves that smelt a bit like the bacon and this big flat-bottomed thing that when you boiled it whistled like in a book. Right? Never heard of a house with no kettle. I didn't know you could make tea without bags. I'd never used a saucer. Not for that. Remember the teapot? My mum's is made from, I don't know, clay or something, but this one was silver. Real silver with all carvings around it in some language we'll never know. And even back then we were far too old, but I swear at the time I thought it must be magic. Remember the tea? Every day at eight and then 11 and then three, the tea, and we'd sit all solemn around the two big table because we knew without being told this wasn't like glug from a mug tea. This tea was meant to be sipped. Remember the taste of it? The way the cup was all hot in your hands and the smell. Summer I was four, I learned how to read. We still lived in the country and people used to burn their leaves. That smell. Do you remember that one afternoon when we ran out of milk? So we had to use whiskey. <laughs> you called it bonfire juice. And you sat out into the sun until way after there wasn't any sun left and we laughed, you... Remember. I still like Lapsang Sushong, so take the box and make the tea and drink a cup and think of you, like always. Thank you. Oh, 19-year-old me. Make better choices. Um, okay. Um, so now... The most tragic of all my poems, the most difficult place on the love spectrum, um, the love of, that has ended but is recent and is still hurty and is the love of someone that you went out with for a really long time in some really like crucial early 20s years, but then it turns out you're actually really different people than that stupid 19-year-old 
and so are they. And you're like, oh, fuck, I'm probably going to have to break up with you, but I don't actually know how I do life without you anymore. <laughs> Does anyone enjoy that feeling? No. no. <laughs> so that feeling sucks. Um, uh, yeah, but does everyone know the feeling that I am discussing? Come on, guys, you were so with me with the, like, 19-year-old one-night stand shit. <laughs> am I old? <laughs> God. Okay, um, yeah, so... <laughs> Dad, who said yes? Who said yes? <laughs> oh, I hate you guys. Um, at work, at work, I am the only person who works in my office who's under about 40, and they think that I am so cool and so young and have my whole life ahead of me. I convinced my boss that I invented blogging. <laughs> Love being the young person. This is upsetting. Um, okay, so back to sad, guys. Back to sad. This poem is called Let Me Be Lost. It's really sad. I haven't told you yet, and I won't, but it's only a matter of time because I talk in my sleep. I always have. Should have said something sooner, but I've been really busy lately, making my own clothes and trying not to be a disappointment. I've been trying to wear skirts more and flirt less and do things that hurt less and be quieter. And prior to this conversation, I was doing fine. It's only ever going to be a matter of time. I've always been the kind of girl who thinks a lot about what might be an appropriate level of deceit, the kind of girl who feels guilty about feeling guilty about how much she eats, the kind of girl who thinks that herbal tea and tequila both taste exactly the same. <laughs> both taste of defeat. The kind of girl who's been really busy lately doing the morning yoga and trying not to say that sometimes I want to eat less apple and more cake. Sometimes I want to take the seventh shot of Calvados and drink it down and let the frown slip off my face and drip on to the dance floor. Sometimes I want more than me. Sometimes I want to dance until my head spins and not push boys away when they tell me about what could be. Sometimes I want to let me be lost. I haven't told you that, but it's only a matter of time because I talk in my sleep and I've been dreaming about dragons and towers and knights and gingerbread houses and roses and spells. I've been dreaming about forests, dark paths and wolves been dreaming about being lost and I've been not wanting to pull myself back into the day and I didn't want to say any of this to you. I've been really busy lately eating organic rice cakes and trying not to be a disappointment but I can't. They're not real cake. <laughs> <laughs> For your sake I've been not following breadcrumb trails, but I can't not wonder where they lead. I can't stop reading fairy tales. I won't stop believing in magic. Sometime, you'll need to let me be lost. Thank you. Okay.
Oh my God, so sad, right? So sad. Um, but what happens um, if you find yourself um, suddenly single and it was completely your fault because you dumped them, so you can't even get any of the high-grade sympathy <laughs> in your mid-twenties and you've kind of, like, got your friends and you've either slept with them or you're not going to. Like, it's clear to you because you're an adult and you know yourself. Um, like, how do you meet someone new? Obviously, the internet! Um, four dates. Four dates, four different guys, one working week, boop! Been with him for two years and a month. Um, so, <laughs> I am so efficient. This is what happens if you get your reports in on time, huh, Sally? Um, yeah, so um, I've been, uh, this poem is about my current boyfriend. It's new um, because, you know, he's, he's new. Um, and this. Don't. How quickly do you write poems? I've been working on this for two years. I had to like wait and fall in love with him first. Um, obviously. Um, obviously, we love each other so much that he is not here tonight. Probably gallivanting. Probably with Nikki. Um, dickhead. Anyway. This, this poem is for my beloved dickhead, um, and it's called, it's called Dinosaurs. Every time you pass a flock of pigeons, you go, look, baby dinosaurs. And they are. I didn't know this, but when the world got crashed into and um, not, like, superheated or maybe frozen or something. I don't really understand how extinction worked. But anyway, when the world got crashed into, not all of the dinosaurs died. There was this one type who had feathers and they brooded their eggs and they survived and no one knows why. I like to think it was because they were in a tunnel sensibly brooding their eggs. But anyway, that's how we got birds. Every time I pass a flock of pigeons, I think of you. Because since you, they're not just pigeons. You make me look more closely at feathers. They're not just grey. If you look really properly, you can see green in there and purple and gold. I hadn't really noticed that. You make me notice things. You make me believe in dinosaurs. And I know that sounds stupid because, you know, dinosaurs do exist or did. I mean, like, do. I mean, that's what I mean. There's so much left to discover, and if I don't think about it enough, I dismiss it as magic. But with you, I don't need magic, because with you, everything is. You make me feel like I'm five years old again. You make me want to jump in puddles and kick leaves. You make me feel like it's okay to be happy. Every time we get on a bus together, we go up to the top deck, and we get the seats right at the front, and we pretend we're dinosaurs. You and me. T-Rexes stomping recklessly through the city, holding claws. I'm not pretending, because you make me believe in dinosaurs. Thank you very much. Well, there we go. Um, so, uh, I should say, yes, 
We really love Lucy. You should definitely check her out. Um, generally speaking, she does some amazing poetry and she has books that she can, you can normally buy from her. I don't know if you've got any today. I left it, I left it there. I forgot to there you go. You see, yeah, here we go. I can do the plug for you. Lucy's book. I well recommend buying it. Uh, I have done in the past, in fact, and so I can definitely recommend it. It had that, that the poem Bonfire Juice is definitely in there. Um, probably, probably, probably one of, well, at least one of the other ones, yeah? Well, there you go. I'm a fan. Uh, there we go. So, um, we're going to have a break now because uh, tragically Nish Kumar is uh, not able to come tonight and he was going to be here, but that's okay because we're overrunning, so it all evens out about right. 15 minutes and then we'll be back with two brilliant acts and a brilliant film. Uh, so, see you then. Let's have some music and uh, do the stuff you need to do in your breaks. Make friends with some tragedy by friending us on Facebook or following us on Twitter where we're at Stand Up For Tragedy. Our website is www.standuptragedy.co.uk And we're back with another live night of tragic variety on Friday the 21st of March where we'll be exploring tragic heroes at the Hackney Attic. Share your tragedies with us on Twitter using the hashtag TragicHeroes. And now, the tragedy is over. This podcast was produced by Stephen Harvey with music from Samuel Wilkinson and George Buckley.